Fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And the best way to level up both your mental and your physical fitness is by making small but powerful changes to your daily habits and routines. With this podcast, I aim to bring you a combination of short educational solo casts and slightly longer conversations I've had with a wide variety of fascinating people. The goal? To help you develop a lifestyle which supports your mental and physical fitness and improves your overall quality of life. My name is Jay Unwin. Welcome to FitBody FitMind. Welcome back to Fit Body, Fit Mind. And today I have with me the UK's number one motivational business speaker, founder of the UK's largest joined up business network for networking, author of four of the highest rated business books on Amazon and mentor to business owners and small traders, including myself via his Now What Club. Mr. Brad Burton, how are you doing today, mate? Oh, oh, oh. there was a lie in there. There was a lie in there, Jay. There was, was a there? lie. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what that lie is. Go for it. We are no longer the largest joint. Well, we might actually be, but COVID basically wiped out my business. So we once run 5,000 business networking meetings across the UK and then COVID come along and that made that uh, all of a sudden we're now at zero. But you know what? It's how you adapt to these kind of changes, but I'm sure we'll get to that later on. Absolutely. I think that that's one thing that this year has really shown anyone, no matter what situation they're in, is that adaptability is absolutely key. No matter what you're doing in life, uh, at some point, the uncertainty is going to completely blindside you and you're going to have to find a new way through well you know what i think the great thing about any kind of adversity that you've ever encountered and overcome is that you've encountered the adversity and you've overcome and it's that where people go wrong it's almost like this was like the first bit of adversity that they've ever encountered you know this has been a tough year a tough challenging year but we've learned so many lessons and it is a bit like and i'll get into it later it's a bit like a uh, computer game and what i mean by that is you know you, you have a level one wizard and what makes a level 20 wizard is the fights and it's those battles and it's learning from those yeah. battles and we'll get to that yeah no that's absolutely it and i think that we've we've been led uh, maybe um coddled a little bit into a very very comfortable life most of us mm. have in fact the people listening to this obviously there's people in the world who are struggling massively and there's there's people who'll be listening to this who perhaps their home life is is particularly uh, savage and things like that there are things that we don't know which are going on however for the most part we have got an incredibly comfortable life compared to how we evolved you know oh. We've got roofs over our heads and we've got the, um, you know, we've got food in the cupboards for the most part. And right. and so when these things happen, we haven't had the training, have we? It's, no. it's like it's the, the, the difficulty is what toughens us up. Absolutely. And if I think about some of the shit that I've had in my life, I mean, I got shot at when I was 21 years old, <clears throat> which is now 25, 26 years ago. And I sound like my granddad banging on about it. But actually... I, I learned so much from that. I learned so much about myself, but I didn't realise I'd learned so much about myself until I look back and go, "Geez, you know, to be dealing with that as a 21-year-old." So any kind of trauma and any kind of difficulty that you've had, you've overcome probably worse. And it's like that ability to, to be able to reframe your uh, reframe your pain effectively, yeah. and actually go, you know what, this isn't that bad. Because I tell you what, if you've got COVID and so you've got a COVID situation, lockdown, yes, it's it's tremendously terrible. However, on a scale of one to ten, if I ask people, they say, oh, it's an eight, and then you go and try putting two bullets through somebody's window, and you've got two gangsters looking for you from around Salford. Where's your eight now? Oh, it's now a two. And this is that ability to be able to recalibrate your life and recalibrate how you look at the world, and not any kind of trauma or difficulty that you deal with 
it's it is it's all about having that perspective isn't it because when you're in amongst it it's very hard to see mm. that um, and it takes a bit of effort but once you do put that effort in to reframe things it, it changes everything Jay, uh, an ant doesn't realise it's small. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it has no idea it's small until, of course, it comes across a human. And a human has no idea it's small until they come across an elephant. And an elephant has no idea it's small until it comes across a, a, a sitter. You know, the reality is, is that with all this kind of stuff, is that, you know, it is about recalibration. And actually, any problem that you've got, any, you know, the really big problem that we've all got, right? And this allows you to recalibrate any problems you've got is that we're all going to die. That's the really big problem. So actually, sure. whatever you're dealing with right now, right, in terms of on, on, a, on a perspective scale, in that one day we're not going to be here, it's kind of in, inconsequential and it's a small, tiny problem. And that's how I kind of look at the world. It's, it's, it's important. And I think it's something which has been it's a philosophy that's been around for thousands of years really people looking at death as being a, a motivating force and a hmm. reminder that actually in the grand scheme of things what you're coping with at the moment isn't as bad as you make out no uh, if you um like you're talking about kind of uh perspective and talking about how changing your changing the the framing of certain things and obviously we're going to chat about kind of fitness and stuff like that and that's something that you've changed it's a big change that happened in your life yeah. in terms of how you looked after yourself physically when did that change when did that when did you reframe things and why so i was going to the gym at a, a, a personal trainer and i was having all the uh, protein powders and all that kind of stuff all the kind of stuff you know uh, that, that you kind of want to to grow based on reading the joe wider magazine and yeah. actually i was still fat so I'm scratching my head thinking, you know, wh why are these, you know, thermo capsules not burning the fat off? And it's because you're eating more than you actually, <laughs> than you're burning. Yeah. It's a simple concept. So I, I had the personal trainer and all the proteins, all the gear and everything. I was still fat. And at a point when I realized that that wasn't working was when the point when I went out to a, a friend of mine's, uh, it was his engagement party or is it? whatever it's called. Um, uh, it was not a hen night, is it? it Stag. Stag. There you go. Stag night. And I goes to, um, I goes to a buffet, or you can eat buffet, and it has five plates uh, of food, and it has a, a personal best of 13 profiteroles. Now- Good going. Thank you. And um, to make my finest work. And then that, <laughs> e that, that, that evening, I had 10 wheeze. 10 wheeze, I could, you know, I'm literally getting up every five minutes. Yeah. And that's when I went to the doctors. I had uh, pins and needles in my hand. And, and actually, this must have been out 38, so it must have been out seven, uh, nine years ago, something like that. And uh, anyway, I went to the, the doctors. He said, you're borderline type 2 diabetic. And I ignored him. I ignored him. I went, <laughs> literally, it only happens to fat people. Yeah, you are fat. And actually, kept on, and now I've got type 2 diabetes. At which point, you know, it's all fun and games until, until it stops becoming all fun and games. And that's what happened. And it, the changing point or the turning point for me was that when I realised you have type 2 diabetes, now you have to make proper lasting and permanent change. And it was funny because it was a whole lot easier to make lasting and permanent change knowing that if I didn't, I could lose my limbs or yeah. I could lose my life. Then actually when you, you know, it's all, it's all fun and games until it stops becoming fun and games. And I think that's the thing with eating. You know, it's not eating one pack of Jaffa cakes that causes diabetes. It's not having lots of cheese on your, on, on your, your sandwich. It's not. It's doing that for 40 years. And people, this is this is in, indicative of life, that we do stuff that in the short term isn't going to cause us a problem, but in the long term, absolutely is.
Yeah, it's that compound effect of, of the daily routines over time, isn't it? People only see those huge occurrences of either success or failure. There they see, you, go. you know, whether it's a whether it's a diagnosis of type two diabetes or whether yeah. it's a divorce or whether mm. it's a, a business going going under. Yeah. It's not a result of one big thing. It's not a result no. of one cheese sandwich, like you said. It's a result of those things which were which were uh, you know perhaps insidious, perhaps just these yeah. per- pervasive things that you've done daily without even knowing that you Absolutely. were doing it. So I was, I was, I was, you know, in the old days, I'd have two sugars in my coffee. Like I couldn't dream of having two sugars in my coffee. I've had like a half now, yeah. you know, or a quarter or a third. And it's these cumulative effects that actually do end up causing it. But I tell you, this is the thing about success as well and business, which is it isn't just one thing that fixes it. It's the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of multitude of decisions, small decisions that make a difference. So I was uh, 108 kilos, 108 kilos yeah. right at my height. I'm now. Um, 91 yeah 91 kilos so the difference is just immense you know and actually physically i look different i sound different i feel different you know my health is far from perfect my diet and nutrition is far from perfect right now but it's better and i think that's the bit that people need to understand is that people end up going oh you know uh, i've had a salad now i'm i'm a healthier or i go to the gym twice no it's going to be a consistent thing and that's what it needs to be consistent there was I was talking in uh, in a in it was actually in one of the four N meetings recently and um, I was talking about pain and suffering and all of all of that fun stuff and I think what people try and do is they try and avoid the 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 little bit of suffering on a daily basis but all they're doing is they're trading it in to enjoy all at once further down the line mate 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 I've got something that I'm writing in my book right now I've got it in front of me right now physically right now no pain pain no gain. Right, And what I mean by that is people confuse that first bit of pain as being the pain that actually fixes things. So a good example is come January, unleash the people that have bought a 12-month membership of the gym. Right? They never fucking go. And actually then they scratch their heads. Three months later, no pain, pain, no gain. It's not the first bit of pain. It's not going to go and buy a bike. It's not going to go and ride it once. It's actually getting beyond that saddle soreness. When you get on a, pe- a thing every single time, I mean, I tried riding a bike a year or two ago, and it was like fuck that. That's you know, I don't really. That's not the fun that I remember years ago. No. <laughs> but you've got to, you've got to push through that, and most people don't want to do that, and they give up. And I can tell you now, when I used to have my, my PT, that PT used to push me around the field, push yeah. me around a field, push physically and then I'd be being sick and, and thinking what am I doing this for I remember we went to do some uh, basketballs hoops like plyometrics or whatever it's called and I remember doing like three jumps and that was me gassed I'm thinking this is crazy Yeah, you know three little jumps and I'm on gassed out and, and you don't realise it kind of just creeps up on you and it's not going to get any easier the older you become it's not going to get any easier but health is a massive thing you know no matter I say this to people I say if you could choose two of these health wealthy and happy and it's a straight question. Of those two, of the three, of the two, which two would you choose? And I'm being serious here, Jay. Yeah. Uh, which would I choose? I would choose, uh, yeah, healthy and happy, mate. And people go, oh, I remember having someone at um, at one of my now what's who, who piped up, you know, happy and, 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 and wealthy. And it's like, well, okay, you've now got stage four cancer. How's that work out for you? You know, and this is the thing. I'm not suggesting for a second that these things are, you've got to go and cherry pick them. But the point I'm making is somewhere along the way, we believe that by getting wealthier, we'll get happy and healthier. Yeah. And actually often when you get wealthier and you've not got your happy in place, that's when you start doing daft shit, like lap dancing clubs and cocaine and just stuff that, you know, that actually makes no sense. 
Yeah. And it's because you're not happy. And when we can't find happy, what we do, we find fun. That's what we end up doing, fun. And that fun ends up causing us a whole lot of problems long-term, not short-term, but long-term. I think people candidate. confuse what, what happiness is. And I think, you know, we, we have an idea, but if you ask someone to define what happiness is, people would struggle a bit. And they think yeah. of it in terms of pleasure, joy, and those yeah. obvious happinesses, like you said, where, where you're looking for fun. Yep. And life isn't actually like that. Life is, life is fucking hard sometimes. It can and be, yeah we've been i think conditioned over a long long period of time like since since birth essentially to seek the 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 comfort and the ease and the and that kind of happiness mm. and i think it's a con because it yeah it helps people buy stuff that they don't really need it encourages mm. people to buy stuff hey buy this and you'll be happy hey you know get yeah. these six pack abs and you'll be happy and all the rest sure. of it so marketing is thriving off people looking for comfort but real kind of satisfaction doesn't yeah. come from doing something easy I, no one ever felt satisfied from from an easy day's work so interestingly if you what you just said then is how this whole social media world is pervaded in that it presented in that you know everywhere you look you're looking at these showreels of life not the real world and you can look at it and think well i've not got a, a car like that i've not got a a big career and you can end up being demoralized and demotivated and i think what you've got to do is you've got to be your own competition you've got to be your own showreel but it is it's it's a difficult uh, thing to chart through i've got a, i'm in a position in my life where um i've got every material thing that i want yeah now it could now get to the stage where if i'm looking for the next level of material thing that requires a whole different set of skills and one of the things i talk about in one of the books is you know what runs out first ambition or ability and i think that my ambition has run out that actually i want for nothing i want for nothing and i think that's the bit i've kind of played the game now at 47 we're realizing that that's not where happiness is that's why i wrote the book now what yeah because i'd reached that point in my life in 2015 2016 where i'd got everything and it was now what and people say yeah you need bigger bigger goals I'm just a working class lad from Salford, Manchester, no qualifications. And yet I've got a successful business, I've written books, got a good speaking career. And actually, what more could a guy, well, you need to, you know, you need to have bigger goals. Yeah, but why? Well, you need to, and it, and it never ends. And actually, I think, go back to, to what I'm saying, I'm quite happy. It's almost like a game of blackjack or pontoon. The idea is to get 21. Well, I'm at 18 and I'm quite happy sticking. And yeah. yet this world kind of tells you that in order for you to be a success, you kind of need to keep going. You kind of need to get 21 for you to be a success. Well, I'm quite happy not to. Yeah, I think that the success is something which is sold again, like happiness as being a very specific thing. Whereas in, yeah. in, in fact, it's a very personal thing and for what's right for one person. And I get that you probably get this, it, the fact that you mix in business circles um, and motivational speaker circles mm. and you see these, you see the kind of the next level up, the next level up, the yes. next level up. And it, I mean, yes, that's going to be maybe the right path for some people, but often it's like people are absorbing goals from other people that they don't actually give a shit mate, about mate mate you are so bang on see we like you this is why i wrote you forward for your book listen you're so true in that actually i say this again which is make certain that your dream is your dream right because you end up being foisted on so i'll give you an example of it so when we go to disney right i stay yeah. in a uh, reasonable disney um, venue or what they call a resort. Yep. I do not stay at the most expensive one, even though I could afford to. Yeah. 
Why? Because you'd have a maitre d', you'd have someone who'd expect a particular type of dress in order for you to fit in there. You'd have to have evening wear in the evenings to go to fine dining. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who just slobs around with a pair of sliders and, and, and shorts on and a T-shirt. And that's the difference, is that we end up, and this is what happens in life, is that sometimes you elevate yourself above your level. And actually what I suggest to people is they need to find their level, and that applies to finding their level as a, as, as, as a uh, in the gym. So you can look there and you'll see somebody bench pressing 180 kilo, and you are never going to do that. But what's happening is that they, as are you, is running at the height of your ability. Yeah. Or, or, or of your, you know, of your uh, capability, and actually, you are still uh, pushing as far as you can. And but yet, actually, where people will be getting the crowds is the person doing the one eighty, not the person who's struggling with twenty five kilo, twenty six. And this is the bit where you need to be happy with your twenty six or thirty or forty or 50, whatever it is. And this is the bit. It doesn't mean don't push on, but be where, make where you are where you want to be. Yeah, and I had this experience recently as well. No, you know, this is the the beauty of it always being a work in progress in in terms of mindset and approach to life and things like that. That you're never finished, are you? And I realised that it's that comparison thing again. You know that um, comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. I, I found myself still doing it, even though I'm so much better than I used to be. When I first when I first came into the fitness industry, I was terrible for it because I didn't come from a background of bodybuilding or I, I wasn't an athlete. I didn't come through rugby. I didn't come through fitness modelling. I came. I was a fucking science teacher, and I looked like a science teacher. Right. And so I was looking around at all these other personal trainers and comparing myself okay. and feeling mm. feeling really insecure. Mm. Now I've done a lot of work over the years in feeling a lot more confident with that and and not really caring too much and yet only within the past couple of months I found myself on Instagram and I was comparing myself a post had popped up and I was comparing myself to the people in the post now the people in the post were Ross Edgeley who's the guy who swam around the British Isles right incredibly fit guy um, massively inspirational got a lot of time for him I think his stuff is amazing Uh, and he was posted a photo of him working out with one of the Hemsworth brothers I think it was Chris Hemsworth i.e. Thor from the Avengers movies and Uh, I was I was sat there and I saw this post and I looked at them training and I thought about Ross Edgeley and I thought god I'm really unfit and then I caught myself and was like what the fuck am I doing like why am I comparing myself to someone who's who's in the 0.0001% globally of fitness and I'm like, I'm, I'm me. Why mate, am I mate, doing that? Mate, mate, let me be really honest with you. Go for it. I did the same up until three months ago. And what are you doing? Right, I'm looking at these certainty sales people and they're giving it lavish and I switched out. I went, you fucking idiot, that's not you. Stop it. And I was thinking, God, and I'm at a level of success and a level of like, with my life, which I couldn't dream was possible. And yet, if that's being acerbic to me and almost insidious to me and I had to unfollow people, then you can imagine that someone who's not of my level, how insidious that shit is. Oh, that yeah. does not motivate, that de- that demotivates. And it's so interesting that what you've got to do is you have to find a way through. Find a way through. You mentioned certainty salespeople. Just can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, uh, in that, you know, you've got this whole situation where uh, people sell certainty. So the way that I deal with my life, the way that I, uh, I I offer my experiences, I say to people, I can't make you a millionaire, but what I can do is I can make you happier. I can make you more content. That's what I'm exceptional at. However, when you used to put me and who can help somebody become more happier, more content versus someone who can offer you wealth and riches beyond the wildest dreams. Yep. 
people are going to, if you just press a button, do you want health and contentment or do you want riches beyond your wildest dreams? Everyone would click the riches one, right? Okay. Right? So, and that's certainty salesman. You cannot, I'll give an example. I go to, um, think at the moment, I go to fucking, um, uh, to go on Savile Row, to go and buy a Savile Row suit. Yeah. And my suit is perfectly fitted for me. It's £2,000. If I go and give you that suit and say, go on, Jay, you wear it, it would look like shit, and vice versa. One size of suit does not fit all. And this is what people are saying. People are saying, hey, come along to my course and you'll learn the secrets of, and I could do this, you'll learn the secrets of how you earn £75,000 from one email. And I genuinely got seventy five grand in the bank from one email. Now, people would be falling over themselves in order to come to my course to learn the secrets. What I wouldn't mention on the preamble is that actually the reason that I could do it, it was the first time in six years of running for networking that we did a, 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 a discounted sale. So we never did one before that and we'll never do one like it again. We needed the money seven, eight years ago, whenever it was. That's the reality of it. However, you look at, oh, if I just top line that, I could sell that as the email. You'll find out the email. So people would queue up and that's the bullshit that people sell. People sell certainty that somehow you reproducing this email would allow you to get 75,000 quid Failing to fucking understand that I've actually got a database of 120,000 engaged people. That's the difference. And that's what certainty salespeople in this old personal development game are doing. They are taking sound bites. You know, I'm going to tell you the secrets of how I got to speak at companies like JCB, Costa, Bentley, Zero, the NHS. Now, if I pitch it like that, you'd be going, "Well, this guy's amazing. But actually, the, the way that I did it was spoke 2,000 times for free up and down the UK and, and, and talked in places with, you know, with the, with the coffee machine barista going on or gone in a room with 60 spare chairs and only four people sat there. I did that thousands of times, but people don't want that. They want to hear the secrets that somehow it is bullshit. And that's the problem is people want to believe the same goes for me, dickhead here, buying thermogenic capsules. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that somewhere along the way, I could eat what I fucking wanted, and as long as I had some of these rich green tea ta- capsules, that somehow, with a wonderful uh, bad boy tooth font, that somehow it would make me an Adonis. Bullshit. The certainty salespeople, when you put it like that, is kind of the, the, the biggest issue I have with, and it's not just the fitness industry, like you said, it's everything, but the in the fitness industry, people are looking for a quick fix. They're looking for an answer, which means they don't have to go through that daily pain, that daily struggle, because once again, we've been conditioned to try and avoid anything like yeah. that. We've been conditioned to try and avoid the hard work. And so the certainty salespeople in fitness are the ones who say, hey, look, I can show you how to get a six pack in you know, three minutes. Yeah, so, um, so, so, Jay. I mean, this is the thing with me. I, I'm in a position where, from from my perspective, you know, I'm never going to have, have abs. I'm yep. just not. I, back in the day when I was 21, 22, I used to have two or four, right? Yep. But it requires a level of nutrition that likes of which most normal people are never going to want to do. However, Agreed. it's not sold <laughs> like that. It's not sold like that. It's sold as attainable. It's not. It's not. It's like bodybuilding. I, I have friends of mine are bodybuilders. To, to, to compete at that level, people don't understand that you're having distilled water. Distilled water is effectively dry water, right? You drink it and it's dry, like for what you use for medical. You're doing that to keep your, 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 your fat percentage down the day before the show. They are weak as kittens. They've got no idea what's going on. They're disorientated, but they make for amazing photographs. It is like a butterfly, but people want to live that 24-7 and it's bullshit. The thing with that is that we're sold 
I don't know whether it's whether whether it was deliberate in the first place, but if you look at if you look at the covers of Men's Health magazine, Women's Health magazine, and stuff like that, they uh, they have the words "health" in big red letters in the title of the magazine next to a picture of a six pack, and so this this uh, association has grown and developed, and then the people who end up naturally in the fitness industry, working as coaches, working as personal trainers, working as gym owners, the people who are drawn to that are the people who are sports people, athletes, fitness models, bodybuilders and all the rest of it because they're the ones who are interested in it no 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 hang about hang about that's yeah. what i was drawn into i was thinking thermogenic green tea capsules with some special ingredients and having these dingies will create that and actually all you end up doing is being fat on a sunbed you know and actually that's like genuinely that that dream is that, look if i could press a button right now yeah. and have a body of a bodybuilder i would press it Right? Yep. That's the reality of it. Yep, and that sure. is what is sold £70 and you buy it. So it's the same. Remember what I said a second ago about certainty salespeople? Yes. Selling the, it's the same way that you're thinking, well, okay, these thermogenic capsules are £120. Why do you think they're so expensive? They must work. Yeah. 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 Associated associated kind of like with, with expensive being yes, good. Yes. Better. Yeah. 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 Well, the, th- what, the point I was going to make about the kind of, you, you know, you're talking about six packs and stuff like that and about diet and the way that bodybuilders eat and the way they live and all the rest of it. The people who, and this is my experience, a lot of the people who are coaching, that's the way they eat because that's what they do. And so personal trainers who are fitness models or bodybuilders or whatever. And they can't understand especially early on if they're only in their first few years of of working as coaches they can't understand why their clients aren't doing that and it's because the sacrifice to them of having Mm. to eat that way or live that way does not sit right with what their values actually are they're not training for a six-pack a six-pack will add nothing to their life and so they just want to be a bit health a bit fitter a bit healthier more energy feel better not be scared to take your top off at the beach but you don't need to be ripped to fuck to do that and 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 as such, you still want to be able to enjoy your life. You still want to be able to eat a slice of birthday cake on your kid's birthday. Right. Jay, you know, I, th- I think this is the thing with it. So I am Mr. Egg Fried Rice. I've got right into Egg Fried Rice on, on the last few months. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's wonderful, right? And I go to Marks and Spencer's, by the way. Trust me, I've tried them all. Marks and Spencer's Egg Fried Rice with soy sauce. Oh, my God. Anyway, so the, the reality is, is this, is that my eating, I still binge eat. I still eat shit Right, but actually, I'm, I'm at a level now. Whereas the old days, I would I would have literally 1,600 calories at McDonald's breakfast before I even started the day. 1,600. Well, breakfast the kings, best meal of the day. Just this shit that you use to justify it. I'd have two doubles, sorry, double sausage egg McMuffin, single sausage egg McMuffin, two hash browns, and a large uh, cappuccino from McDonald's. That's 1,600 calories, you know, and that's ahead of me getting to having a lunch on expenses then going out for a boozy lunch or boozy evening uh, on expenses again and then you scratch your head wondering why you're fat so the reality is is that you know it's not your thyroid sorry to break it to you it's your fact that you like cakes that's the reality of it but people would say oh well it's it's because of uh, my father no it's not it's because you like cakes and actually what's happened is you've had a level of entitlement all your life like I did I grew up in the 70s that's what we had you know microwave meals and we had biscuits and we had pot noodles that was we didn't we Genuinely, the idea of nutrition was Special K, right? That was it, (laughs) right? Special K and Rivita. We had no idea. And actually, you know, look at today's day and age right now. You know, no one's moving as much. Everyone's sedentary. And actually, once again, nobody wants to go out in the cold because it's it's painful. Everything's painful. So I've got I've got a, a kind of halfway house between being fit and being fat, and I'm quite happy with that. I'm yeah. gen- genuinely I've got a level at 47. I think I look all right for a 47 year old. Could I lose weight? Absolutely. When I've got a speaking gig, 
when I've got a big speaking gig, I do my best to lose weight. But what's interesting about this, remember what I said before, I was 108 kilo at my me, me height, going back whenever 2012. I'm now uh, 91 kilo as of today. Now, if I go back before lockdown, my lowest weight that I could get to was 93. Then I'd bounce back up to 97. Then from 97, I'd then come back down to 93. Somewhere along the way, I've moved the needle down. So my, low, my, my lowest point now is 91. And actually, rather than 93. And actually, what my intent is to do is to get to 89 to 93. So yeah. move the scale down, and that's what it's about. And once you've got your weight down, maintaining is a piece of piss. A piece of piss. That means you can have your your absolute, you know, 600, 800 calories of fucking egg fried rice, and it's not a problem. Yeah. It's when you, it's when you're doing egg fried rice and you've done 1600 kcals in the morning of of, of McDonald's. It's the it's the cumulative effect once again. It's not the 1600 calories that you have once in a while. It's Correct. the 1600 calories you have every single day, and it's 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 that thing which which adds up over time. It's the cumulative effect um, that people do. And and the thing is, when once it's got to a point that you've been doing it for so long, like you've been doing with your breakfast, for example, yes. you don't even notice that you're doing it. Mate, mate, what is wild about you? See, this is what I love about you. You are so on it. Because I talked about this in my new book that I'm writing right now. And this is what I love about you, Jay, is that you are so on it. You get it? Which is we've kind of stopped noticing. We've kind of stopped noticing. I didn't even notice I was fat. My wife, we had a conversation. She had no idea I was that fat, right? She lived with me. She had no idea I was that fat. I had no idea I was that fat. But what you're doing is, is I've gone from, this is what was strange about the, the kind of... Uh, the way that the message we give ourselves in that the reason I ate like I did was because when I was unemployed, I would get paid my dole, let's say on the Monday, and for three days, I get paid every 14 days, for three days I'd live, live like a king. Egg fried rice, eat what I want, big boy breakfast, this, that and the other. Then I've got a position where I'm financially uh, sound. The reason I stopped eating back in the day was because of three days I'd run out of money. Now I can eat what I want when I want. So now I'm in this position where I, I, I'm getting I'm getting this entitlement. Oh, I don't know. It might it might never last forever. So what's you know? Your your kind of background there is like a microcosm of human evolution there, right? <laughs> right there, right. So when we three hundred thousand years ago or whatever it was, when we came down out of the trees onto the plains of Africa, and we had to, if we came across a big meal with loads of calories in it, loads of energy, really energy dense, we yeah. would we would binge on it because that is our natural predisposition. That's what we're hardwired to do because we don't know when we're going to get the next meal. Back yes. then, it wasn't because we were on the dole; it was because we didn't know when we were going to come across that meal. And sure. so we are still hardwired to do that because our brains have changed in 30 to 50,000 years sure. and so when you were on the dole you were acting in that kind of primal way where you go I've got the money I'm gonna make the most of it that's right but then most people are in the situation where you are now in that they that the convenience is is such that when you go oh I don't your brain's going I don't know when I'm gonna get a meal like this again the answer is in two hours time that's right that's right you've not got that the kind of fight that you've got to do for food anymore no. so so you know with my you know this is a really strong thing to say but I'm gonna say it anyway and I do it when I want to be controversial never trust a fat motivational speaker and actually people get their fucking roof when I every time if I'm bored I go and put it on social media it's great and all of a sudden you get everyone you're fat shaming you're fat shaming let me explain something about fat shaming right I've got type 2 diabetes now type 2 diabetes that, has, that I have got as a result of eating fucking cakes and eating egg fried rice for many many fucking years and McDonald's breakfast I am a drain to society I am a drain to the NHS I've got to go every six months and go and get my blood tested I've got to go every six months and go and get my eyes tested because I 
because I'm a fucking knobhead. That's the reality of it. And I'm sorry that it offends you. Well, I like being fat. No, you don't. Let me explain something, right? You don't like being fat. You like cakes, right? You like eating whatever shit you want to do. And if you could provide a magic button that if you pressed it, you'd lose one stone, three stone or five stone, every single individual in this room or who's watching this or listening to this would press that fucking button, right? And actually, if you say... If you're overweight and you say you wouldn't, you're talking out your ass. Because actually, even if you if you if, if you are talking out your ass, and even if you don't believe that you know that you would lose weight, you are creating a problem for somebody else. And it's you're you're creating it. You're eating yourself into a problem that is going to lock on to the fucking to the NHS or some nurse. And I tell you something. Let me be quite clear. I'm going to die. I'm going to die as a result of diabetic complications. That's what's going to fucking happen. And right now at 47, it's not a problem. But it might be a problem at 67 when I've got my fucking children around me and I'm dying because kidney fucking dialysis failed because I was a silly fat cunt for 40 years. And that's the thing. I would rather, I would have listened to, to me and someone would have gone, you know what, I'm going to make change rather than this situation where I will die through diabetic complications. Fact right fact that's the reality is that i've logged off anywhere between 11.1 years and 23.2 years of my life now it doesn't make any difference now but it will do when all of a sudden my daughter's 21 or 22 and this is the thing no everyone thinks that everyone else gets type 2 diabetes everyone else thinks that everyone else has, has health related issues because of weight and i tell you something if i knew what i knew now there is no way in this fucking world i'd have type 2 diabetes no way I think that we are very we're very quick to see these complications in other people. It's 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 a it'll never happen to me thing, like you said. And mm. whether it's our health or a business or relationship or whatever it is that just comes to a crashing end, it's always something that you've seen in other people. But it's your your actions, your choices, your behaviours over a sustained period of time. And yeah. going back to the not noticing thing, if you look at like a relationship breakdown or something like that, it's the behaviours that you've forgotten that you're even doing that are undermining that relationship. And in the same way that when you are when you're undermining your health, again, mm. it's the choices you're making on a daily basis that you don't even know you're making. And this is something that I remember. Remember hearing you talk about in terms of these these unconscious behaviours. I mean, you mentioned earlier on about how many you make a day. What's the number again? Thirty thousand, and it's legit that thirty thousand. And we've got I think two hundred eighty six on food. Two hundred eighty six on food alone. And this is something that is it becomes. So I was talking to someone actually this morning about decision fatigue and about how mm. tiring it is making decisions. And so what we're what what our brain does is it automates as many of them as possible. And when it takes them out of your conscious decision making capacity and makes them automatic, you forget about them. Mm. But what we always have the power to do is to bring them back from that unconscious part of our brain into our conscious part of the brain. Um, not all at the same time, because if you had to do thirty thousand a day consciously, you'd be fucked. But right. If we think, right, there's one decision here that I'm making on, on a particular given day um, that is not serving me in terms of my, my end goal here, and you just try and change that one thing and make it a conscious decision, then you can use your brain's capacity for automating that. You can use it for you again, instead of against you. And that's, and that's what, what I do, Jay. That is exactly what I do with my old, you know, my decisions are better now. Are they perfect? No. Are they bollocks, right? But they're better. And that's what people need to understand. This is not about you listening to this and all of a sudden your life's changed and everything's amazing. This is about you listening to this and making the changes that you need right now. Ask yourself a question. What does life look like if you don't make change? What does life look like if you don't make change? And then ask yourself a question. What does life look like if you do make change? Look, you can't do 40 years of having fucking, you know, McDonald's breakfast and then somehow expect four days to fix it. 
it's going to take your time. I'm now in a position where it's literally I've got the, my weight chart because obviously I've got to go with a diabetic nurse. I can see what happened. It was like literally my, my weight went up and up and up to the very point when he turned on and said, you've got type 2 diabetes, at which point it dropped like like a stone. It dropped and it dropped it dropped. Why? Because my motivation was actually you are in danger zone here of losing your life or your faculties or your, your, your ability to be able to move or your leg or your limbs because you like Jaffa cakes. I mean, how fucking stupid have you got to be? How stupid? I mean, how, you know, I'd say this to the audience, is that how many Jaffa cakes would you eat if, you, if they killed you? And the answer is we'd have none. But they do kill you. It just takes 40 years of eating Jaffa cakes. And this doesn't mean you can't enjoy your life and it doesn't mean you can't have a egg fried rice. But what it means is that a treat should be just that, a treat. Do you find that since you've started making uh, your your physical fitness and health more of a priority, that actually you enjoy you you have the potential to enjoy life more, not less? Yeah, I you know what what's interesting about this whole COVID situation is that I was going to the gym four times a week, and now I'm not going to any time. I've lifted weights a total of thirty minutes in the last seven months, eight months, which is interesting. And also what's really interesting about that is my body shape hasn't changed that much. Yeah. So this is the fucking bodybuilding or the weightlifting myth that somewhere along the way going to the gym and actually it's all down to egg fried rice and, 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 and McDonald's like primarily your shape is is on that basis. So I, I kind of enjoy what I enjoy now is walking. I never enjoyed walking. I actively enjoy walking, which is funny. I, for me, fitness is like a currency. It's it's like money. It's not the end itself. It's a means to an end. Mm. Fitness is like a currency you can spend on actually enjoying your life. There's no point in striving for fitness for the sake of it, but it's what you can then do with it once you have it. True story. And I tell you, I feel better. I feel better. I look physically better. No, no two ways about it. I, like if you look at a picture of me from you know when I was a waiter and look at me now, like night and day, unrecognisable. People say, in fact, for your audience there, go and Google Brad Burton uh, working lunch BBC. That's me live on on national television. And yeah, you look at it and go, gosh, that's not him, is it? it you know you. I remember bumping into someone at Four Networking years ago, and there's a five year difference, and she put so much weight on. I wasn't sure if it was her or not. And that's the same goes for me. You look at that and you look at that and you say to yourself, is that the same guy? And that's the great thing about it. Remember I said before about a level one wizard and a level 20 wizard yeah. is that what's the difference? You know, a level one wizard can fire in a computer game, can do a couple of magic missiles, then they need to sleep or have mana to get their energy back. A level 20 can do fireballs, summon dragons, flame shields. What's the difference in a level one uh, wizard and a level 20? It's those fights that we've had and it's that experience. And so many people have these fights, but they don't, pick up or collect the experience and that's what we've got to do we've got to recognize you know that uh, there is no point in me losing weight to then kind of rebound back you kind of learn from that and go you don't want to be here again and it's funny because my generation will be replaced with another generation of silly fat fuckers who end up getting type 2 diabetes yeah. as well you know and actually people who just go oh yeah it won't happen to me and that's what we all say yeah absolutely and i mean this this past year has been like loads of XP available for people to pick up, hasn't it? It's been challenge after challenge. If there was someone listening to this who is who doesn't want to wait until they get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes or they don't want to wait until they end up with some kind of lifestyle-related disease or arthritis or whatever it is as a result of inactivity or not making their health and fitness a priority, but they don't want that catalyst, they want to make a change now, where would you say they should start? I think that this is about little and often. This is not about eating salads, right? I don't eat salads, and yet I've lost weight. 
it's like once again that's a, a salad is as much as a myth as a frigging protein powder and thermogenic green tea capsules you don't need to do this shit all you need to do is ask yourself a question what weighs more is it having a, a, a hash brown physical you know 200 calories hash brown from 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 mcdonald's or is it having a cheese butty which is you know is is, is 400 calories and actually which one's going to keep you filled up more and it's that it's about making better choices i genuinely used to go to a menu and have a look at what was the most calorific and yeah. i would choose that what right. is that about that's crackers i genuinely would go oh that's 1600 calories i'll have that as if it was some sort of badge of honor and it's all fun and games until guess what it starts being fun and games yeah awesome stuff I think I completely agree with that mate the the little and often is the way of doing it and finding a way that you can do something now which doesn't seem yes it's outside your comfort zone but it's something which you can do and seems achievable and you can start repeating that and build a foundation on which to then progress from let, let me let me let me tell you a starting point is your sugars half your sugar what I do is I half my 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 instead of having a full cup of coffee or or of tea, I have half a cup of of coffee and tea, and I have like the you know the equivalent of whatever it was one sugar in my full cup, so I have half and half a cup, and that ticks the box. And it's surprising because for, I'll go back to the way I used to go to Pizza Hut. I would have garlic bread and cheese. I would have a twelve-inch uh, pepperoni pizza, and I'd wash it down with a pint and a half of Coke. I'd always have two pints, and I always leave half a pint, and then I'd have an ice cream factory. I mean, and then you were scratching your head wondering why you're fat. And that doesn't mean that I can't go and do that. If I want to go and do that today, tomorrow, I can and will go and do that. It's not a problem. It was when that was standard. Yeah. It was when that was that, that eating was standard as if that was part of me. I used to refer to myself, the fat Brad, as big up. Right. Big up. You know, drum and bass, big up. No, you're fat. But somewhere along the way, I'm, I'm in this process where I'm repackaging it for myself yeah. so that I actually justify being big up, i.e. fat. Yeah. Crackers. It's all identity, isn't it? But uh, yeah, and get out and walk. That's the other thing, isn't it? Simple. Doesn't need to be an hour in the gym. Just nope. getting more activity. <laughs> so I do that. I do uh, 25 minutes in the morning, 25 minutes in the in the evening. Walk, walk the dogs, and actually, it's good. Clears the head. Allows me to do a little bit of social media while I'm walking and thinking. And, it, and I tell you, like I say, I've lost weight during this lockdown. But what happened initially is it wasn't losing weight. I was on the like I say, panic buying. You know, panic buying mini cheddars instead of buying a pack of six. I was buying 96, and I was doing three of them every single. Day. Day in, you know, and the, the, and the, this stuff once again started. I've not had a, a pack of mini cheddars for like twenty weeks now because I feel revulsion because of what they did to me. In that they kept me powered up, but they kept me powered up. They built my help, build my blood pressure up. Everything about it was wrong, and I had a nerve, not a burnout, a burnout. I would say twenty weeks ago, and that was a result of me ignoring the signs. Yeah, yeah, you've got to listen to your body, haven't you? And mm. would you say that as well, it's allowed you to, since you made those changes and you've made it more of a priority to be able to show up more in your business and do what's necessary there as well? Yo, listen, no, you're kidding yourself. You are kidding yourself if your fitness and your health isn't correct. You're kidding yourself because at some point it is going to come back and it. it's going to be, you know, I always say this to people that, you know, at some point your health is going to have to be a priority why wait till you've got ill health to then try and make your health a priority when it's double difficult to do anyway absolutely absolutely brad mate thank you for this thank you for your time and thank you for the kind of the hard truths which i think some people listening to this uh, will very much appreciate and no mm. doubt some of them will be massively triggered by because uh, after all that was the point right 
Well, you know what? This is the thing. I would rather I triggered you now in t- the second or whatever it is December twenty twenty than in twenty thirty. You're having your leg amputated, uh, and they do it. They doing it. They do it without um, uh, anaesthetic or, or general anaesthetic. They do it while you're alive. The reason behind that is because often you're too fat, too fat to be able to do the anaesthetist or whatever. So you end up having your legs chopped off while you're alive. And if you don't believe me, go and Google it. So that's a, one of the things that you've got to look forward to because you like Jaffa cakes. Now this does not mean that you've got to become a saint because I promise you it doesn't nor would I suggest that right but what I would say to anyone who's a parent is that you'd do anything for your children right you'd give your life up for those children and everyone would say yes well I'm not asking you to give your life up what I'm asking you is to give up your 1600 calories every single day of McDonald's if you really truly love those children don't do it for yourself because if it was left to me I couldn't do it for myself but because my kids came along I all of a sudden needed to make the changes that I needed to do not only with my business but my life but also my health and that's what I'd urge you to do please 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 you know I've got nothing I'm selling nothing here there's no course there's no mastermind group to join I'm selling nothing what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make a positive difference I wish I wish that I would have listened to me 20 years ago so we could have avoided this stupid bullshit every six months going to go on out and be a drain on the NHS or because I like cakes. Ridiculous. Brad, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to chatting to you again soon. High five. Cheers, Jay. Thank you for listening to Fit Body, Fit Mind with me, Jay Unwin. If you aren't already connected with me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook, then you can find all the links in the podcast description or on my website at fitbodyfitmind.online. Until next time, stay fit, stay well and have fun.